and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Please turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Jonah. Today, Pastor Elliot draws seven important lessons out of Jonah chapter 1. And now, with more from God's Word, here's Pastor Robert Elliot. I love it that the scriptures say that God appointed. You know, we don't believe in coincidences as Christians because we have a sovereign God. We believe that our sovereign God puts the co in the incidents. We believe our God puts the co in the incidents for his reasons, for his glory, for our good. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And so verse 17 says, and the Lord appointed, directed a great fish to be in the right spot at the right time to swallow Jonah. Judging by the severity of the storm and the driving winds and the waves, Jonah wouldn't last very long, even if he was an Olympic quality swimmer. But God had the great fish where the fish needed to be at the right depth, at the right precise spot, GPS position in the Mediterranean in that storm, and the great fish being appointed of God swallowed Jonah alive. What a story. Quickly, seven lessons from this story. Number one, sin costs. There is no free sin. In the 60s, sexual immorality was called free love, but we found out there's no such thing as free, promiscuous love outside of marriage. Sexually transmitted diseases, illegitimate children, people unable to commit in a lifelong love covenant with a mate. All sin costs. And like I said, Satan wants to change the price tag on any sin so it's lower than it actually is. And so we will think we can afford that sin. Sin costs. Number two, God is everywhere. (laughs) There's nowhere you'll go this week that God isn't there first. You can't get away from God. And you won't try to get away from God unless you want to go against God's will. The fact that God is everywhere either makes you very glad if you love God and are wanting to obey him, or that God is everywhere makes you very mad. Leave me alone. God is everywhere. Lesson three, God is a God of grace. Even though these Assyrians, who did not know or believe in or serve the true God, the creator, and they were brutal, disgusting, idol worshipers. God's grace was big enough that he commissioned a Jewish man named Jonah to go and tell them about their sin, to warn them about their sin. And that's why we have flags on this wall and this wall, because the same God who cared about the Assyrians cares about the people of these nations. His grace is big enough, and he wants us to go to pray, to give, to get the gospel to the nations who are perishing in sin. 
God is a God of grace. Number four lesson, pagans know more than we think. (laughs) Some pagans know more Bible than we think they know. These guys knew the God of the Jews as Yahweh. They prayed to him, called him by name. They knew that he was a promise keeper to the Jews, and they were asking and begging that he be a promise keeper to them as Gentiles while their lives were on the line. People you will meet who do not love Jesus Christ, in fact, who hate the Bible, who want no part of organized religion, may know more about God than you would ever think. Some of them may have been turned off by Christians, and they just have run away or tried to run away from God. But they may know more about God than we think. And so a good thing to do when you're trying to witness Christ to someone who is an idol worshiper with their own designer God is to ask them just flat out, what do you know about God? Have you ever read the Bible? And if you have, what do you know about God from the Bible? I'm not asking if you believe it. But what do you know about God? I'm interested. I'd like to ask people that question. See what they say. They may say, there is no God. What are you talking about? Or they may say, I know nothing about God. Recently I had a person say to me in my study I was seeking to counsel they said you can use the Bible but go really slow and use simple terms because I know nothing about God what a privilege pagans may know more than we think they know about God number five lesson sovereignty the sovereignty of God is dripping through this first chapter He is on his throne. He is in control. He knows where his prophet was running. He sent a storm to hurl a violent, life-threatening storm. He sent calm when Jonah was thrown into the sea. He calmed the sea. He is sovereign. He's not out of control. He's in full control. And he's in full control of our lives. The biggest three problems you have on your list for this week, God is in control of. And he loves you. He's got the answer. He'll lead you. He'll protect you. He'll provide for you. God is sovereign. He is king of the universe. He is king of the church. He is king of your life. What a wonderful encouragement. Number six, that proper reverence always leads to obedience. We can't say that we respect God if we don't obey God. If we don't obey God, we don't respect God. On the other hand, if we say we reverence God and we do obey him, then it lines up. But to say as a Christian, I respect God, I reverence God, but I feel I have permission to disobey him, that is crazy. Seventh and final lesson. Doing God's will can appear to others to be doom. When David Livingston went to Africa, he was at the top of his class in one of the most prestigious English universities. Probably could have done anything to make a lot of money in that day. But he went off to Africa to take the gospel to Africans. And his classmates thought he was crazy. When he came back to give an address to the student body at that prestigious university... He was physically beaten up. He had a lame arm from a lion attack. He was gaunt. He was very skinny. He was aged beyond his years. 
It had cost him to serve Christ in a hard place. But you could have heard a pin drop when David Livingston addressed the current student body of that prestigious English university and the alumni that were present to see him, hear him. When we decide to serve God, there will be some people who say, she's doomed. He's not going to make it. And sometimes the people who look at the person who's obediently doing a hard thing that God calls them to do, sometimes the people who see that Christian as being doomed are other Christians. I don't know what he's thinking. Don't let anyone else's evaluation of your future doing obediently the will of God change you from obediently doing the will of God. Come here and see the fabulous performance of world-renowned pianist Sam Rotman for free on Saturday, September 10th and Sunday, September 11th. He has given over 2,700 performances in 60 countries and is described as a pianist of no small talent. He possesses a thoroughly prepared technique and his playing is convincing and alive. Come and experience Sam Rotman's profound, expressive, dynamic, and exciting concert performances for the first time in the Bahamas on either Saturday, September 10th at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Kirk on Princess Street at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday, September 11th at Calvary Bible Church on Collins Avenue at 6 p.m. Bring your family for a night to remember. For more information, call us at 326-0800. That is 326-0800. Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas.com at gmail.com. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. Scripture is the objective standard of what is right. Yes. And it, it Scripture will tell us when something's wrong, even if we don't see it ourselves, That's right? That's right. If our conscience is not said. Yes. Because that, that sometimes we are open to doing things that are wrong and it seems to be acceptable in the community. So there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what the lie you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just nothing wrong with it. Right. And that's why I would think that you having the Bible in each counseling session you offer is so advantageous mm-hmm. to counseling that doesn't have a Bible in the middle of it, right? Yes. It's like the little kid who's now he's six feet tall, and his mother said, how in the world did you get that? He was using a six-inch ruler as if it were a foot. Yes. And the Bible keeps a foot a foot. Very good. Um, how about uh, the role of personal responsibility, ex- assuming one's own responsibility? I think that's very important. Um, Quite often I would ask a client, where does the heart 
pumps blood first, and they'll say, oh, the pancreas or the colon or some other part of the body. But the heart takes care of the heart. And I think um, it's incumbent upon all of us to take personal responsibility for our emotional health and not thrust that on someone else and blame uh, that is a family of origin who maybe inflict some emotional scar. The time comes when we have to take a stand and say, you know, I need help and I'm going to go and get this help. Very good. And then there's a difference between true and false guilt. Mm -hmm. And how is that important to differentiate? I think um, false guilt is just sucking up and blaming yourself for whatever happens. Like if the weather's bad, you say, oh, probably if I had made some effort to get out of my bed, Mm -hmm. uh, this wouldn't have been. And some people just suck up on Mm -hmm. all this stuff, this negative stuff, especially people who have the doormat um, complexity. They they, they just tend to blame self. So they're always guilty about everything. And if they're in a relationship where it's um, codependent, of course, they're going to say, oh, yeah, well, I'm responsible for the way he treats me. Mm. Oh, I'm responsible for the outcome of our marriage or this relationship or the way the children um, end up on drugs, you know. And so they wallow in guilt. Mm -hmm. Even people who have come to the Lord Jesus Christ and has trusted him as Savior and he has forgiven them, they still retreat to the past a lot of times, and they say, maybe if I didn't have that abortion, I wouldn't be, you know, it's like they feel like God still digs up this old stuff. Yeah. And it's always pelting them in the mud, mm. you know, so this false guilt can really keep you trapped. Right, and really Satan trapped. is a accuser, yes, and so, so he delights yes. in saying, you really think God forgave you for that? Yeah, yeah. Do you think a yeah. Christian really would have done that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's a place for True guilt gives us fruits of repentance. Yes, yes. But false guilt is a tool of the enemy. Yes, Yes. and it keeps us trapped, and we keep um, swimming in the same old cesspit and saying, you know, like you have some people who live in denial. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, well, my family, they are all alcoholics, so what do you expect? Mm -hmm. And I always say, you can be the agent for change. Yes. Mm -hmm. You can be a trailblazer in a new path. But they say, no, well, my grandpa, he drank, or my grandmother, sweetheart, so don't ask me to be different. Mm. Yeah, people have said this, especially when I volunteer on the maternity ward, there were young girls who gave birth to babies, and they say, all in my family, they just give birth to babies. Mm-hmm. And they didn't see that God has a plan for you. Your right. life can be different. Right. You can be the agent for change. That's like but those. until we embrace that, we will be stuck here saying, you know, this is who I am. Right. I was yeah. thinking of the little baby eagles, the eaglets, mm-hmm. that are looking at each other as baby eagles. We're bound to be eaglets the rest yeah. of our lives and never look up to see the eagles that are, that are flying they grew yeah, into. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Good example. Yeah. And now, today's personal God story. Well, I'm very pleased this morning to have in our recording studio my dear brother Vasco Marshall. Good morning, Vasco. Good morning, sir. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit uh, together about your God story, and uh, I know it will be an encouragement to those that are listening this morning. So, Vasco, you grew up in Nassau, did you? Grew up right here in Nassau, in fact, right off East Street, Clantall Street, uh, Centerville area. Wonderful. And uh, what place did God have in your family and in your thoughts growing up? Interesting, because um, I come from a church-going family. Yes. 
my from my grandmother down. In fact, um, I remember very vividly. May have been no more than six, seven. Religiously, every morning, my mother would wake me up, mm-hmm. and we either we go into pray or we go into early morning mass yes. because she actually went to us in Barnabas Church, and it was always me. Brothers and sisters were there, but I would be the one that she would get up <laughs> and take with her to these early morning mass. And, and like I said, it, it, it came down from my grandmother. My grandmother was a praying woman, church-going woman. Yes. And in fact, the, the entire family, there was no negotiating church. <laughs> church right. was a staple. Right. So, so God was on the mind of your your grandma and your mom, and, and yes. therefore they influenced you that way. Yes. But there was a time as you got to be an older fella. I want you to tell our listeners about something that happened to you. I guess um, my story is not unlike many others. Even though you would have grown up in the church, going to church, yes. you still tend to veer away and you grow up and you think uh, you have all the answers and you want to be your own man, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And being your own man sometimes means um, venturing out into the world. Yes. And again, I'm not unlike many others. I did that. I was doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, would do the partying and the stuff like that in the nightclubs and all of that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think because the church... And, and, and God and, and, and prayer and everything was instilled in me, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't living it. And I had people obviously praying for me. Mm-hmm. I still came to a point one particular Sunday morning after being out um, all night Saturday. Yes. That I, there was this urge to go to church. Mm-hmm. Which church did you go to that particular Sunday? Right here at Calvary Bible. Uh-huh. I, I was not an official member right but i came regularly and so i came that sunday morning and as the pastor was preaching he was wrapping up and of course the invitation was given and again this is almost like you know someone helping you out of your seat Mm. urging you he is speaking to you Mm. it is now time to go to to set aside um this way of living and to go back to what you know, to reestablish, so to speak, a relationship that was being built and nurtured from you were younger. Mm-hmm. It's time to let's um, reestablish that. And so I went up and I accepted the Lord as my Savior. Yeah, beautiful. So in some ways, uh, your, your family uh, sowed some seeds in you that that particular... Sunday when you came to uh, Calvary and the Pastor Russell, I think you said it was. Yes, sir. Um, on behalf of the Lord Jesus said, if you're a sinner and you know it and you need to be forgiven and you need to have a right standing with God, you step out of your pew and and trust Christ. And that's that's yes, wonderful sir. you yes, did sir. that. And, of course, that makes all the difference for time but also for all of eternity. Yes, sir. Yeah, wonderful. So after you uh, put your full faith in Jesus Christ uh, to be your Savior and Lord, mm-hmm. um, has your life been improved? Has your life changed? Definitely. Again, there has been times when 
maybe even doubt set in. Mm -hmm. And I was reading just recently a reading plan which really speaks about doubt and, and how doubt is sometimes a good thing yeah. if, if you are doubting towards belief yes. as opposed to doubting away from. Yes. And, and, and so sometimes there was the doubt and, and so you have the struggles, but for the most part, yes, I, I have stayed the course Yes. and realizing too that um, there aren't any more uh, perfect men in this world there was only one. Thank you. Mm. And, and, and so, again, that, 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 it helps me to um, continue on. Right. Excellent. So um, when you said a reading plan, I think you mean a, a devotional booklet yes. that helps you read through the Word yes. uh, each day? Yes, sir. That's wonderful. And when you use a nice phrase, you said uh, there's doubting toward the Lord versus doubting away from the Lord. Yes, sir. And I think what makes the difference is the attention we give to the Bible. If our doubts take us away from God's Word, then there are doubts away from the Lord. Yes, sir. But when we doubt in, in a genuine, we struggle with doubts in some issues, if that drives us to the Bible, exactly, our, our doubt can be dispelled. Yes, because you, 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 you're now searching for the answers. Yes. Assuming they're there. Y yes, sir. Assuming God has the answers to our questions and that those answers are found in his word. Yeah. I must say, n not in our feelings. Um, as a pastor, many times believers come to me with doubts. And, you know, I, I, I work with them because I have times of doubt myself. But, yes. but I work with them with the word of God. Yes. And they may doubt because they have this feeling they tell me about or that feeling. And I yes. say, well, let's set aside your feelings and let's go with the facts. Yes. And the facts are in the Bible. Yes, and, the, and the great thing is that when we follow the facts of the Bible, when we find them out, we dwell on them we try to obey them, then our feelings come along and change as they need to. Yes. Wonderful. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. Matthew chapter 27, verse 5 reads, referring to Judas Iscariot after he came under conviction and had extreme remorse for betraying Jesus to the cross. And he, Judas Iscariot, threw the pieces of silver into the sanctuary and departed, and he went away and hanged himself. The question, did Judas die by hanging or by some other means? Matthew records that after attempting to return the money he had received for betraying Jesus, Judas went away and hanged himself. 
Yet Luke's account, found in Acts chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, records that Judas plummeted into a ravine and died. Some suggest that uh, Judas attempted to hang himself, but the rope broke and he fell to his death. There is another possible interpretation of Judas's death. The Greek word which is translated hanged may be also translated accurately strangled, as in the Greek translation of 2 Samuel 17.23. There we read that Halithophel committed suicide by strangling himself. Same word, strangling. Strangulation was a form of execution and a form of suicide in ancient times. Perhaps Judas strangled himself at the edge of a ravine and then fell to his death as Luke records in Acts chapter 1, verse 18. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.